we're talking about finances. Last week we talked about tithing, and uh, I realized that we hadn't talked about this in over a year and a half, and so it's probably time to talk about some things. Money does matter. Uh, it's a massive conversation in my home. It's a massive conversation in your home. It's a massive conversation when you go to a restaurant, when you go to Walmart, when you go anywhere. In fact, money is a central part of your life, and what we want is to make Jesus the center part of your life. And what I recognize is, is that finances can become the center part of your life if we don't do this thing together, check our hearts, and make sure that Christ is the center, and we just use money as a resource to worship Jesus. And so uh, I want you to know that you can worship Christ in your finances. You can find Christ and the Holy Spirit in your finances. In fact, last week I was joking about it, but I'm 100% serious. You can find the Lord in Target, in your finances, like on aisle 16, just worshiping Jesus because he loves you so much that he did this in your finances. God is not a Sunday morning experience. Like he is in all the time, everywhere, in every arena of your life. But we have to give him that space. Like he's waiting. He's not going to take it from you. He's waiting for you to surrender. And, uh, and I believe with 100% clarity that he wants to move. I have listened to multiple messages this week in the conversation of Money Matters because I wanted to make sure that the sermon that I had already written lined up with what God is speaking corporately to the body of Christ. And so there was this dude that made this statement, and I thought it was powerful, and it checked me. And y'all know that I've been here for a while. Most of the messages that you hear are first for me and, uh, and then for you. This guy said this, and he challenged me to say, out loud, I'm rich. I just want to ask you to say that with me. Can you just, for one second, everyone in the room, out loud, on the count of three, say, I'm rich. One, two, three. I'm rich. He, what he said is, if you have a hard time saying that, you may want to check your heart. Because many of us don't believe that. Yet, I want to remind you that we live in the second richest country in the world. Most people live way beyond on a, over a month what you make in a day. Many of us just haven't figured out how to position our life differently. We're just positioning our life to look like our neighbor. And I think that strategically, we should be different. And so what I know is that in the arena of finances, many people feel inadequate, they feel short, they feel strapped, and yet you worship a God that is unlimited. Unlimited resources, unlimited potential, unlimited ability, and yet somehow we feel like we have not arrived. At what? And so in this message today, there's a lot of things that I, I, I wanted to just just get to you, uh, I, I want to remind you, the Lord is not after your finances, he's after your heart. <laughs> the problem is, your heart has gone after some things that, um, let's check this out here. This is uh, found in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, and uh, Jesus says this, this is our Savior, our Lord's speaking, he says, watch out, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because life does not consist in the abundance 
of possessions. Now, why is it that my mind knows that, yet my spirit can't find that? Life does not exist in the abundance of possessions. I am rich. Did you come with friends today? You're rich. Did you walk in these doors today? You're rich. Have you been able to say that your sins are as far as the east is from the west? You are loaded, my friend. Yet the enemy would get you chasing after the wind. Jesus, my Savior, also said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You'll, you'll either love one and hate the other. I, I, you have to hear this. This is not my words. This is our Savior's. And so it's super important that even with the area and the arena of money, you are not in lack. The Lord didn't deal out all the money on the table and somehow forget and skip over you. You have everything that you need. In the arena of, my, of finances, you have to get our mindset right. We are stewards of what he has entrusted to us. And if in this season you find yourself shortchanged, it may be that he's testing your management skills right now. And many of us in the culture that we live in are buying more than we can afford to buy. We're consuming rather than contributing. And I just want to get you back to an eternal perspective this morning. Do you still love me? What I know is that there's a lot of you. I, if I'm honest, often think that these messages are not spiritual. However, when in your life you are struggling... In this arena, it is spiritual. When you can't see God's potential and God's love for you, something has been left unchecked. And uh, my hope today is to nudge you back into perspective of a healthy relationship with finances. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. In fact, it could be used for a lot of powerful things, a lot of good things. You know, the lights don't turn themselves on in the church that you worship at. Like when you go and help, I, have to, I can't get ahead of myself. Money can be do a lot of good things. Um, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Psalms 24.1. My hope today is to get us to think more like stewards of what God entrusted us with rather than owners. It's to get us to recognize that everything that we have, he has blessed us with. And I am simply managing God's finances for him. When I think of finances, I actually, it's hard for me to just talk about money because I think of it bigger than that. I think of it in regards to uh, my, my, my talent, my time, and my treasure. I, I always think of it those ways. Yet, uh, specifically, as I'm researching, scripture, in Scripture, finances are talked about more than 2,000 times in Scripture. So I recognize that this is important that we talk specifically about finances. And if you need to go to talent and time in entering that into this conversation, you're more than welcome. But Jesus would talk again and again about how we are stewards of 
finance. You were simply managing the Lord's money, which is why last week we talked about tithing. We wanted to make sure that the Lord got our first before I even get into the sermon. One of the reasons, I, I didn't even say it last week, and it kind of bothered me when I left. One of the many reasons, not just because he commanded us to tithe, I think it's important for us to tithe, is because you want to start with the first 10% with the Lord because many of us are ignorant to any percentage of our finances and where it's going. What I mean is, there is nothing in our life that we're measuring. And so when you start off calculating 10% going to Jesus, now I want you to recognize where's 90% of it going? What are you doing with the rest of it? Because we're doing, we're just giving it a lull away to a lot of unhealthy places and we don't recognize it. Check your, 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 uh, your, your, your debit card statements, you know? Like, how much did I spend at a gas station this month? It's crazy. Those hot dogs don't even taste good. Uh, all right. My first point today in the area of finances that I think is super important for us if we are willing to come to the point where you believe that you are a steward of God's resources, is first, get a plan and write it down. What is your plan to do with your money before you spend it? Because some of your money is spent before you even start. I mean, think about how much of a shame that is if we're stewarding God's money and we're working 40 50, 60 hours a week, and some of it is gone before we even get it into our hands. Where is the rest of the money going? Get a plan for your money. John Maxwell said this way. He said, uh, he said a budget is people telling their money what to do instead of their money telling them what to do. And what I recognize is that many of us are making payments, making transactions without thinking about it because I can afford this. And I can afford this, and I can afford this. But when it's all gone, and we hit our knees in prayer and say, oh God, but I don't have enough. Anyone else prayed that this week? You know, you did have enough. You had more than enough, according to scriptures. He will bless you with everything you need in Christ Jesus. And so... It's hard, though, when we're managing, but I recognize that people that are successful, any major company that you can think of, they got there because they had a plan. And the, what I really want you to be, in my, I, was, I was at, um, this week I had to stop and get peppers for, to, for dinner, and so I ran in the grocery store just to get peppers because I hate buying them in advance because then they spoil before I get to them, right? So I went in there to get peppers, and I was in the checkout aisle, and uh, I, I, was, I wanted to, I, was, I looked up, and I saw batteries sitting on the shelf. And I know that my, my smoke alarm at home needs batteries. And I was like, you know what? I need, I, can, I need all of these batteries. And so I grabbed one, and I grabbed another, and I grabbed a third. And then I looked behind me, having known the message that I'm about to preach, and I saw the person behind me uh, pick up three sodas from the refrigerator in the checkout aisle, right? You know what I'm talking about? And all of those individual sodas would cost the same as a two-liter, Someone just refrigerated it for them. They got less. They, and all of those sodas are going to make that person feel like crud later in the week because they're going to be tired and out of energy because they drank something they shouldn't have drank. And, and they paid more for it than they should have paid for it, all because they started off without a plan. And what I realized is that business had a plan 
for where to put that soda. Four people that would enter that checkout aisle without a plan. And I grabbed those batteries and put them right because they had a plan. Everything that is located in any business had a plan for where they were going to put it and why they were going to put it there. Four people that enter into life that set out the day without a plan. Get a plan. Write it down with your finances. I wonder how much are you spending as you enter out into the day without a plan? Where do you want your finances to go? Is that fair? In Luke chapter 14, we read this last week. This is the, 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 the chapter on discipleship, church. This is our vision. Jesus said, for which of you intending to build a tower would, does not sit down first and count the cost as to whether or not he has enough to finish it? Do you have a plan for your finances? Because I want you to know there are many businesses, many commercials, Many companies that have a plan for your money. Don't give more of God's resources to ungodly organizations. Is that fair? I'm going to just let that simmer for a second. Have a drink of my coffee. This coffee that was brewed here in our house and picked from our church planting in uh, Nicaragua. I love, I'm proud of that. <clears throat> My second, uh, without vision, people will perish and they'll cast off without lack of restraint. And uh, I just want to remind you that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And if you don't have a plan, you'll feel that plan at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year. How did I get here? Why is it that it feels like everyone else is getting ahead? Because you didn't have a plan. Where is your money going? You still love me? Second point. Please get out of debt. Please, 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 please get out of debt. Debt is nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. It is slavery at its worst. It will make you feel like you can't give to the Lord. I, I listen to this. Uh, Proverbs twenty two seven uh, would say this: the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower and the borrower is slave to its lender. It's awful for you to feel like you can't obey God because you're a slave to a situation and an agreement you made months ago. Some of us a year ago, and here's the way that these wise stewards of their money figure out a system that they'll take their money and leverage it against you. So when you go and buy a television that's on sale for 400, it's crazy you can buy a TV for $400 now, right? Like these ginormous 80-inch screen TVs. And you're like, man, it's on sale for 400 bucks. It's fantastic. I'm gonna put it on the credit card because I can't afford it, but I don't wanna miss this sale. Because you put it on the credit card, you just spent $600 for it. Or you got that great deal on the car. You only spent $20,000, Pastor. Great. You're going to spend $30,000 for it if you finance it. And you're not recognizing that it's so much better to be out of debt. Because then when you're, not out, when you're out of debt, you're not enslaved to a situation where you feel like you're behind trying to catch up. 
I have to go to work today because I have to make these monies because I owe these situations. It's a terrible, terrible thing to feel shackled. And I'm telling you where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I want to see nothing more than for you to experience Jesus in your finances. Please, if you're in debt, you're enslaved to a company, to a person, to a situation, and I'm begging you to get out. And we don't ever want someone to feel like they're stuck. So here's what you need to know. There are people in our church that are super smart. They just think in money. Uh, and it, it's bonkers for me because I'm not that guy. But I understand Greg uh, has a great deal of passion, don't you, for, uh, for finances. I know that. Uh, Brian, would you wave at us in the back? Brian is super smart with money. He'd love, listen, I'm telling you, there are people in our church, they're just good with it. And if you're behind and you feel stuck, you're not. We were designed to do life together. Can I get an amen? amen. You're not, the Lord doesn't want you to feel stuck. Get with someone who is good at this and let them help you see the things that we, or the space where we can make movements in. There are people here that would, they live for helping others. How cool is it that in the, there, are, there are areas in my life that you're good at just because that you struggle in this area? I'm telling you, there is a lie that the enemy would tell you that you don't have enough. And I'm telling you, that's just not the way Jesus operates. I'm... I'm I'm going to go to my third point and I'm going to try to explain this a little bit better because the answer is in my third point here. Um, the third thing that I want you, I'm praying over you this morning is that you figure out a way to live with margin. I, I, it, it, man, this is, I got a good story for it, but Proverbs uh, uh, 21 20 says this. I'm going to read it to you in two different translations because I just like the way it reads. Are you still with me? I want to see Jesus in your finances. I, we, your, our church doesn't need your money. I just want to see you celebrate being victorious because it's, it's awful when people feel confused and alone and rejected. I want to empower you with the reality that one of the spiritual spirit, fruit of the Spirit is self-discipline. And you, you can get out of this situation. I had an old prophet I used to walk around with and he used to always say that uh, if, if, uh, if, if, if I... If I put myself in this situation, I can get out of it. And uh, I recognize that the Lord is going to give you the wisdom and the strategy to get out of this hole that you found yourself in. It will happen. Live with margin. Uh, we had, uh, we've had several people within our church um, using Dave Ramsey principles, get out of debt 5000 in a year, 10000 in a year. We had... We had one lady in our church a few years ago. She got $30,000 out of debt in one year. The answer is there. We just have to figure out how to trust God and say no. No is a difficult word in our society because we feel entitled and um, you're not. If we got what we deserved, oof. Live with margins. That's my third point. Uh, the wise have health and uh, wealth and luxury, I'm sorry, but fools spend whatever they get. The NIV uh, would say it this way, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Live with margin. 
Uh, a few years ago, I, I got the privilege of uh, proposing to the most beautiful girl in every room she walks in. Um, she's not in the room right now, so I can't, I can't refer to her as the most beautiful girl in this room. Uh, but um, Teresa and I, we're, we, uh, we, got, we got engaged in Arizona, and um, on the way to the airport, we started talking about finances and about how we were going to bring our money together. She was in Los Angeles at the time. She lived in Los Angeles. We met in Arizona to propose. I was living here, and uh, and I was making about thirty five, forty thousand at the time. And uh, she was asking me about, okay, so we're engaged now. What's our finances gonna look like here in a couple months, right? And I was like, oh, you know what, we're good, don't worry. And she's like, well, how much do you make? And I told her, and she said, good. Well, how much? What are your What are your bills? Like, do you have debt? No, I don't have any debt. I'm doing really good. Cool. So, like, what's your bills? Uh, I mean, I have like a two hundred fifty dollar. We had like seven guys living in our house, right? So I only had, my rent was like 200 bucks a month. I had a car payment for like 250 and then insurance and a phone bill. And she's like, awesome. How much money do you have? I don't have any. <laughs> and she, uh, she looked at me and she looked away and I said, what's wrong? And she's crying. <laughs> Tears are running down her face. And she said, what do you mean you have, you have nothing? Wow, what do I need it for? I had no plan for my money. I just lived casually. Everything was good. And the problem is that's why then we're looking at someone else who's now buying their house or getting their car or starting a new business because they did have a plan. And I had no room in my life for margin because I lived for fun. So whatever access I had, let's go out for dinner. Let's go have, let's, let's go live, let's go fun. Let's live it up. Let's get that movie. Let's have, let's have a barbecue. I ate and I ate and I ate. And so when the word says I, you gulp it down, that was me, man. Like, let's just barbecue. I had seven dudes living in my house, man. We barbecued every night, you know. Dinner's on me again, you know. And, and these guys are all broke and it's all good. And I'm helping them out and they can't pay their rent. And I, was, and I just went, that's all right, man, I got it. And I, I was, had no margin in my life for any kind of growth. And what I recognize is that if, if you, you're not called to live like, don't, don't tithe 10% and then live on the 90, no. Think ahead. Like, you don't need cable as much as you think you do. And if you have internet on your phone, you don't need internet in your house. Why give $250 to a cable company when you could be putting that into the bank and at the end of, in four months, you could have $1,000. You can go on a family vacation. There are ways to get ahead. There are plans that you have that you would love to have if you just said no to going to the gas station and getting that soda every other day. How, what can you eliminate so that there's more margin in your life? The answers are there. But we're just saying yes to so many things because we feel like this is what we need to have peace. But think about that. Does McDonald's at 2.30 in the afternoon really do that much for you? Does, does Starbucks $6.50 Frappuccino with an extra triple shot and whatever else they're putting in it, is it doing that much for your love tank? Because I'm telling you, if you add up all that money that you're spending on that crap, you'd realize what it could be doing for your bank account. What it could be doing for your confidence what it could be doing for your family. We have to figure out what can go so that I can have the, the wins to get to where God's calling me. Yeah. 
Because what if you saved some of those margins? How much better you'd be managing, how much more management God can put into your life. Where you could actually be getting ahead, but it starts with a plan and eliminating a lot of the debt. Is this fair? Here's the last point that, um, oh, no, 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 staying on that, on that part. Uh, this is just a saying that we say all the time, and I felt necessary to say it again. We give up things we love for things we love more. And so you can have margin in your life if you recognize the things that you want to have and the things more importantly, I'm sorry, that God's calling you to have. And so if God's calling your family to go on vacation, you just have to say no to all those little mini vacations. That's $4.99. Those, that vacation is there. It's in it, man. I promise it's there. We just shortchange ourselves so often. We give up things we love for things we love more. There's room for margin in your life. Last one. Um, be generous. Be generous. I, I've heard this said over my life so many times that you can have anything that doesn't have you. And one of the biggest reasons why we don't have is because we're bound with this like restraint. Like even right now, some of you are listening to me talk and you're like mad at me as if I'm, I'm not saying anything but truth. We are in the situation that we put ourselves in financially. And, and if you got yourself there, you can get yourself out, I promise you. And there's people around you that want to help you get out of it. Be generous. Because it's hard for the Lord to put into your hand when you won't let go of something. Dave Ramsey always says this. Man, I love it when he says it. Like, like if, if you'll let go, there's room for God to put more in. But we say so close-fisted. One of the, if we really are rich, try letting go and you'll realize how not valuable things are. But you'll recognize that value is actually in people. I, 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 I heard this other dude, like I told you, I listened to like seven sermons this week. I heard this one guy say, I challenge you, I thought this is so cool. He said, I challenge you to take your wife on a date and spend $300. That sounded terrible. I was like, man, I, I can't afford that. Why? Is she worthy of it? I challenge you to buy something wonderful for someone you love. Let someone else experience the goodness of God. You know when you want something and you feel stuck in a situation and someone comes through and they write a check that you've been praying for, it feels like God loves you. Untie some of those things and let go of something because God is the God of the impossible we just feel stuck and we've put something on ourselves, a lie that you've got to take off because we found ourselves loving money more than lovers of God, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this is what the scripture says is a sign of the end times. You know, when Jesus talked about that verse that we opened up with, and, and when he says, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of, of possessions, can you imagine if that same message 2,000 years ago, if Jesus did this on a sermon on a mountain here? I mean, think about it. When I moved into my house, we, we, um, we sold our house uh, like five years ago. 
And we moved all of our stuff into a, um, uh, what are those things called? Storage unit. And then we had to get an apartment and get another apartment. And so it was like four months before we moved into our house. And we never went to our storage shed once. You think about how much crap we move into a U-Haul to move to the next house that we live in that you don't need. Yet the enemy is so clever because he puts these things on Amazon where you can just buy it without thinking about it because you feel like you just got to have it. And you, don't, you use it once and it ends up in the trash in two years. And all of this, the margin for victory is in all that crap we're giving to the wealthiest company in the world right now. And they're just making it more and more easy for us to spend. And then we spend our life, 40, 50, 60 hours a week that you could be spending with your family chasing money. And we gave it to people who didn't need it one bit. We gotta stop giving our life away. Because it's not... It's not money. You're going to make money. You'll never make time again. So think about that when you're spending finances. You're giving time away. It was only $2. I can afford it. Yeah. That $2, you keep saying that. You can afford it. I promise that. It just turned into $100 this week. And that $100 could have went to pay someone's light bill. What if this week... You found yourself generous going out to lunch this afternoon because we're the most generous tippers in all of Lakeland. We're the coolest church. When, when, stewardess, when, when waitresses and waiters come to our table, they didn't realize they hit the gold mine. You know, but they, uh, You show up and you leave two, maybe $300 bills there for them. Can you imagine what that would do to the waitress? Oh, mine, what? Just how? Who are these people? Just give. Sometimes you got to get it out of you. Some of us need to give just because we're married to it so much. But give when you got a plan. And give when you hear the Lord. Some of us, giving can be dangerous in certain seasons of your life because he's not, the commandment that he's telling you is to be wise with it. And we haven't put any, we haven't attributed any value to it. So we're just letting it all fly out the window. Listen to what the Lord's saying to you right now. Because I believe that money's not yours. It's his. Spend it wisely. Give it wisely. Manage it wisely. Because I think that there's something wonderful that can happen if you get a flat tire this week. You're either going to find yourself in a situation where you're going, oh God, I can't believe you let this happen to me again. This always happens. Or you can go, no big deal. We're going to change the tire because I can afford it. And it's a different mindset when you've actually sat down with the Lord and you've allowed him to plan your life out a little bit. Could you all close your eyes and bow your heads for me? Rachel, would you come? Some of us, um, you've never found the Lord in your finances before. I just want you to know that um, this isn't about money. It's never about money. It's about your life. 
Many of us haven't figured out how to trust God in the arena of our life. Because we've drawn a line in our sand and said like, this is what you can do in my life, God. I'll experience you at church, but not there. You can't, I can't afford that, God. You can't afford that, God. You had a bigger debt that the Lord paid than your light bill. Some of you don't recognize that you, you've not asked Christ to come into all of your life, but he's trying to. He's not just trying to move here at church or in your marriage or at your school or in your job or in your finances. He's asking you for your life. Will you surrender to Jesus? Will you surrender to the Lord?